0: Welcome to the of Medicine today, this is John Murphy, my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Heath Turnquist, Dr. Turnquist is an associate professor, University of Pittsburgh, Department of Surgery, Department of Immunology, Dr. Turnquist, welcome.
1: Thanks for you for inviting me.
0: And then we begin with a discussion about inflammation and wound healing. Is my impression that the inflammation is a necessary component of wound healing?
1: Yeah. My background's in transplant immunology, where we spent a lot of time trying to thwart and stop inflammation. But once I started working with some of the researchers at McGowan Institute, such as Steve Battle, you know, really made me think a little bit about inflammation differently and kind of led us to thinking about, you know, maybe we can try harnessing those processes that inflammation kicks on to start the tissue repair process. So that's something we're trying to apply and transplant now as well. So one of the main areas we have a grant on and do a lot of work on is heart transplant. So obviously, anytime you're getting a heart transplant, it is a cadaveric donor situation. So the heart's harvested, cross clamped, it's going to sit on ice and it'd be an ischemic environment for an hour or more. So you're going to instantly have to do with a ischemic reperfusion injury. And so that's going to come with a lot of inflammation. Anytime you have an alloimmune response or rejection response to the graft is going to cause inflammation. And so there are opportunities there to harness that inflammation and hopefully trigger the processes of repair. I know a lot of work and myocardial infarction have showed you have this nice regulated process of inflammation that brings in neutrophils, inflammatory myeloid cells, which then slowly convert over into the reparative subsets that then initiate the repair. And so we've really looked at can we identify signals early in the transplant environment to augment, to hopefully, you know, improve repair, limit that inflammation caused by ischemic reperfusion injury. So
0: what's the difference between pro-inflammatory response and negative?
1: Maybe how well it's regulated, I guess that's a great question. I think a lot of chronic inflammation is where you would have problems. Some of the stuff we're interested in in transplant is if you have just a sustained alloimmune response, maybe you never get a chance to go from inflammation to repair. Potentially, it's just always inflammation. You know, I think that's probably common in a lot of autoimmune diseases as well.
0: You mentioned tissue engineering. So, how does one promote pro-inflammatory response?
1: So, how would we engineer it? So, that's a great question. And so, a couple of different things we're trying. We've identified a couple natural reparative type molecules. You know, it's been known for. Decades that things like HMGB-1, IL-1-alpha, when you have damage are released then to cause a pro-inflammatory response. Like myocardial infarction, it's been viewed that these pro-inflammatory responses are detrimental and people really have targeted them with some success, not great. What well, we've kind of asked the opposite question is, are there things that are released that can stimulate a reparative response or direct a reparative response? And we've identified one being interleukin-33 or IL-33. This is an interesting molecule. It has a nuclear localization domain, and then it has like an IL-1 family cytokine domain. And that nuclear domain targets it to the nucleus. And there it sits, unless there's tissue damage, when the cell is necrotic, that's released. And then what we've shown is it's very good at stimulating a reparative response by a cell subset called T regulatory cells, but also acts on myeloid cells to help shape them into a reparative subset as well. So a lot of what we've been working on is trying to figure out how to harness that pathway. One thing that's really been interesting is I attended a talk by Steve Badalak and his fellow George Hussey, probably three years ago, And they were talking about how they had these matrix-bound vesicles, this MBV, which had a phenotype very similar to what IL-33 did on macrophages. So we just asked a simple question, well, potentially, could IL-33 be getting in these vesicles to mediate this effect? And some work done by George and myself then showed that, sure enough, this reparative signal was inside these vesicles. And since then, it's really allowed us to use that as one way to potentially engineer or at least deliver this reparative signal to damaged sites. So we've done that. We have a paper under revision right now in skeletal muscle repair. And then we published a paper in JCI this year where we re-delivered the IL-33 to IL-33 knockout hearts in a heart transplant model. And we could show we could prevent chronic rejection, which was a super exciting finding, just because that really is one of the main barriers to really acceptable long-term graft outcomes in heart transplant recipients that's one way i think we can engineer it is to identify these reparative or regulatory signals and then deliver them to sites of injury at the right time hopefully to stimulate a more robust tissue repair response because a lot of the tissues that we work with you know heart muscle or mainly like heart in particular are not that regenerative and so you we know, start looking at things like vascular composite allograft transplantation you know, just being able to really boost a nerve regeneration or muscle regeneration while regulating immune response could really be transformative to the field.
0: So you mentioned Dr. Badlack, he's had his success with soft tissue engineering. This technology that you're referring to, where would that improve situate engineering he's addressing?
1: I know their work that they've showed, like the extracellular matrix itself, is very good for muscle defect wounds, wound repair in general. And so with them, we've helped characterize what's inside these matrix bound vesicles and with those, they can recapitulate that reparative signal to macrophages. And so one thing we're very interested in is can we combine that with our knowledge about reparative T-reg and can we facilitate interactions there? And what's nice about the MBV is they're very small which makes them a little easier to deliver. You can put them, we put them into hydrogels. You can deliver them in solution. And so with that comes the ability for like say a heart transplant, kidney transplant, can you just perfuse the organ with them? Where do they go? And our heart transplant models, we've delivered them in a hydrogel. And so it's worked very well. So that's something we're looking to follow up with them on. And then In transplant, one thing that's very appealing to people is this idea of using like regulatory T-cells, which are known historically to be very good at immunosuppression, so they can suppress an allo response. We've identified a subset that is very good, it seems, as tissue repair, being in part because they secrete growth factors, but also they secrete molecules that then act to shape myeloid cells into that repairative or like -like, M2-like arginase-positive subset. So I think the idea would be to grow up those as a cell therapy, deliver them at the time of transplant or whenever you needed them, then also deliver things like MBVs or other molecules to pull them into the site of damage, and then potentially release signals that help then augment that response. I think a lot of the trouble with these reparative signals, if you have like a big ischemic event, such as a heart transplant There's just not enough endogenous reparative cells to cope with that big of damage. So the idea that you could expand them and augment that reparative response is very attractive.
0: So basically everything you talked about fits in the category of soft tissue. Is techniques you're looking at at bone and bone
1: tissue engineering? It's a good question. That's really not my area. I do know that like osteoclasts, the niches, the fibrotic type cells, like some of the molecules, particularly IL-33, have been looked at and I know are important there. I know T-regulatory cells are implicated in oral health, gingivitis, muscle bone, preventing bone deterioration there. But it's you know it's a little out of my area of expertise.
0: Dr. Turnquist, tell me about your thoughts on regenerative medicine and transplantation.
1: Transplantation's been around for about 70 years. And people have spent most of that time really trying to come up with better ways to poison the immune system through immunosuppression. But we're stuck with a lot of the problems that seem like a kind of a failed tissue repair response, right? So you have a lot of what's called chronic rejection. You can immunosuppress people to the point where they're developing cancer, they're dying of infectious disease, but they still develop this chronic rejective response. Really interested in can we prevent that or even reverse that with a better knowledge of tissue repair because for us it looks like a failed tissue repair response and so with regenerative medicine they've looked at this for a long time they have a lot of good ideas about how to trigger these reparative pathways you know with a lot of focus on myeloid cells you know trying to have the early inflammation and then transition that rapidly to m2 like or reparative macrophage and so do you think there's a lot to learn from regenerative medicine that can be applied in transplant? It's not something we're hoping to do. We have a couple grants pending to harness some MBVs from Dr. Badalak, as well as particles that could pull in regulatory cells, whether it's Treg or monocytes, and convert them to the reparative subset in uh, both heart transplant models, as well as limb transplant models, which I think are really attractive just because it plugs right into the work that Steve's group has done in muscle injury repair. I know others have done in nerve growth. So I think it's exciting to work in the regenerative medicine space and just kind of move past immunosuppression, let other people work on that and let us work on how do we fix things you know, that deteriorate over time or prevent them from deteriorating. I find that super exciting. And then I think another area kind of similar though is like face and hand transplant, A lot of these come from burns, accidents, you know, so these are the problems that the genitive medicine have been working on for a long time to fix. These hand and face transplant have great outcome. Immunosuppression is always going to be a problem, but, you know, work that we've done with people over in bioengineering where we can deliver particles. So these would be designed release particles that then can tell the immune system what to do. That has been really a powerful method we had two papers one in pnas and one in science advances last year with vj's work as well as steve little's work I'm in collaboration with them and some other people at the starlins institute and so that's something else that i like to follow up with and keep building on because that i think is a common interest to you know help regenerate after major injuries i know it's of interest to the department of defense and the military which people in the McGowan Institute have a long history of working with. I do see that as an area of really future interest, future overlap, and hopefully synergy where we can really do good work together.
0: Another point is that the dysregulated immune system causes diseases such as diabetes, lupus, multiple sclerosis, and arthritis. How does your work affect it?
1: Definitely, you have runaway immune system, dysregulated immune system, inflammation that then leads to these autoimmune diseases, pro-inflammatory related diseases, you know, arteriosclerosis being another one. And a lot of the cells we look at, they're called, we like the term regulatory or reparative because these pathways seem to overlap a lot, at least in the mouse models. You start looking at obesity and diabetes. A lot of these same molecules that we're trying to target after tissue repair are in play during homeostasis maintenance so like il 33 being an example if you delete il 33 from a mouse they have a lot of problems with metabolic regulation they'll develop obesity and so the concept could potentially be that what we're looking at is tissue injury is just a way of trying to get back to homeostasis and there could be a lot of these overlapping pathways in play and so we do have collaborations with people in obesity here in the department of immunology and diabetes as well. we just looking at, can we augment certain molecules there to prevent obesity control diabetes and T regulatory cells are particularly attractive for that. And there's, you know, clinical trials right now in the humans where people have taken expanded autologous or patient derived T regulatory cells, expanded them to see if they can reduce or prevent diabetes development. These are on people's radar, and and same with autoimmunity as well. I guess I could see things like with MS, neurodegenerative diseases could be particularly targetable by T-regulatory cells, just in that hopefully they can do the repair of the nerves as well as, you know, suppress the local immune responses as well.
0: Dr. Turnquist, thank you for joining us today, sharing with us your pioneering research. Wish you success in your future study and your collaborative efforts. Other sciences. This is truly a multidisciplinary approach to solving important problems. We welcome suggestions and alternative podcast topics. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, thank you.